there are customers who are okay with plastic and actually are not in, a, in their mindset to actually even switch to plastic. That's changing, but wallets are uh, starting, starting to change the game. I think we're not unlike other programs in, hey, we want everyone to come to our app. So I think for some program operators, they would say, well, why, why do we need to talk to other wallets when we've got our own? Looking at the future, the convergence of uh, payments and loyalty is definitely what's going to continue to happen. You see that with um, you know some of the acquisitions that have happened recently, that you look at Square and Afterpay, you know, they're going very much into that domain as well together. People build apps, but they don't expect all of their users to use them all of the time. And I think once you get rid of a plastic card, this has to fill the vacuum. Of course it does. Hi, I'm Ian Pringle. This is the Loyalty Podcast from New World Loyalty. We help you make the most of your loyalty strategies by listening to us talk about what we like to talk about most, which is loyalty and loyalty programs. In this podcast, we'll discuss the emerging phenomena of loyalty wallets and explore if they're a threat or an opportunity to program operators. To help me do this, I'm joined by a team who have direct experience of loyalty wallets from both sides of the debate. So please welcome Pavel Lowe from Shell. Hi, Pavel. Good evening. Hi. And uh, Phil Hawkins from Flybys. Hi, Phil. Hi, Ian. And Rad Van Vollenhoven from Stokard. Hi, Rad. Hi, Ian. How are you? Now, do, do, I, do I call you Rad? Uh, Rad is fine. Yeah, everyone calls me Rad over here. Perfect. Happy days. That makes it all easy for us. Although I did on a podcast have two, two Davids recently, which confuses everyone. So... <laughs> Uh, so to get us started tonight, can we each give a brief introduction to ourselves and just a quick summary of your experience in loyalty wallets? Who'd like to start us off with that? Um, Phil, Phil, would you like to start us off on that one? Sure, Ian. I'm Phil Hawkins, a Chief Operating Officer at uh, Flybys, Australia's um, favourite loyalty program, and I've been uh, I've had substantial experience with Flybys over many years, and you know have seen the evolution of wallets and it's been interesting to observe the response of uh, Flybys members to you know, wallets uh, and um, you know similar uh, ways of being able to keep in touch with the loyalty program that they are, in- are active in. Perfect and uh, how about you Pavel? Uh, I'm Pavel Loss. I am the I am a loyalty enthusiast. Uh, up, till, up until recently, I was the global loyalty manager for Shell Retail, inspiring our markets, inspiring our colleagues and the entire business to extract the the value of uh, of loyalty and the loyalty schemes that they bring to the business. We've uh, uh, we've done a number of uh, wallet experimentations uh, we've uh, introduced apple wallets and google pay wallets etc uh, so we've got some some experience but i'm, I'm going into this uh, into this discussion rather actually to learn to see what's out there and see whether wallets are indeed a, um, a way forward and, and how many programs do you have you recently managed around the world so you've got a really a, a very good perspective on yeah. a program manager's view of the world so how, how many programs did you manage Pavel so uh, Shell runs directly or, or is participating in, in 23 schemes around around the world or 23 markets some of them or most of them are direct uh, direct loyalty schemes in a few markets we are part of a coalition uh, Netherlands, uh, Irma, similar Canada, bonus link in in um, in Malaysia. Uh, plus, we've got a many of our markets, licensee markets that run that run their their loyalty schemes. So we would add probably 
dozen dozen more to the 23 direct markets. Wow. And um, and Rad, how about you? Yeah, so Rad van Vollenhoven, um been at Stokart now for about five years. So I've been running their um, business across ANZ. Um, you know, first um, person on the ground here and um, grown it up to about 5 million users across the region. And yeah, globally, we're um, at about 65 million users. So we are one of the leading mobile wallets um, around the world. And, um, you know, based out of Germany, uh, over in, in Frankfurt or close to Frankfurt, and recently um, acquired on the journey by Klarna, so a big fintech player out of Sweden. Perfect. So yeah, that, that's me. And, um, and I'm Ian Pringle. Everyone knows me on the podcast. And um, I've had a sort of long experience and limited experience on wallets. So um, I'm just working with a client just now. We're actually looking at Stokard, Rad. So they have a head, you guys have a head start of 170,000 users on your program that already have the card downloaded on your app. And there's been no interaction between the two companies, which is a great head start. But I've also been involved. I was involved with Bink right at the launch of, well, when they were talking about a launch back in 2016. So that's five years ago. And I I haven't really heard, apart from them being acquired by Barclay Card several years ago for a lot of money, I haven't heard anything from them since. So yeah, I suppose I was involved at the beginning, but at the same time, haven't haven't seen much from that. So so to get us into um, wallets, um, what is a w- loyalty wallet? And um, Rad, can you just give us, w- what's your view of what is a loyalty wallet? Yeah, so from our perspective, I think it's a, a storage uh, device or somewhere where you can digitize the, the cards that you have um, and, you know, ultimately browse deals that you're interested in, um, potentially pay at the pause as well. So I think it's, in our view, it's an end-to-end experience, so not just um, loyalty, but I think it's the convergence of loyalty and payments and other features. So, yeah, I, I think it's a combination of, of anything that includes um, what's part of the shopping experience. And in our view, it's um, it's a wide range of different services that people are, are interested in using. But yeah, it needs to be secure. It needs to be trusted. It needs to be easy and smooth to use. I think that's the key. So people need to, it makes the shopping experience better. Uh, not more fragmented or more difficult. I think that's probably the um, the main thing that I would see from a consumer point of view as being important. And do you see it as a different role to the loyalty app, if you see what I mean? I think, yeah, there's a, definitely a place for loyalty apps. Um, and I guess it depends whether you're looking at it as a wallet or a storage device. I think there's two different things there. I think definitely there's a, a place for a loyalty um, app that aggregates everything, similar to how we do it. Whereas, you know, a consumer doesn't just shop in one location; they shop in you know any store that they're that they're signed up to or that they're engaging with. So I think making that experience quick and easy for the shopper is um, is what we're all about. But yeah, I think definitely there's um you know a lot of our partners have um, loyalty apps and, and have channels where customers are engaging um, directly through those apps. And yeah, there's definitely a place for that. But I think for a lot of people, they want a solution that houses everything in in one place. Mm. And can we just run through the sort of where in the customer journey it takes? So obviously the example I use, so people can store a digital version of their cards. They don't then have to carry a card in their wallet. They could also, in some cases, scan that card at the point of sale, can't they? Correct, yeah. It's, it's um, being able to store that um, plastic card in a digital format. That's, the I guess, the core use case of why people use our wallet. But then also being able to scan it at the point of sale um, provides a really quick and easy experience for the customer to check out and, and collect those points. Um, but it also provides, a, I guess, a way for us to um, have attribution back into the store, back to our, our loyalty partners that we work with. So there's, there's a marketing element there as well. And on the collection, um, some wallets allow you to automatically collect using RFID, you know, the, the, as part of the payment, don't they? So you pay with your 
So if you pay with your with a with with Apple Pay or something like that, it can also pass across the details of your loyalty your loyalty card at that point as well. Some some apps can't they? Correct. Yeah, some retailers here have it integrated with um, providers like Apple and Google. So if you look at um, as an example, Woolworths, the Everyday Rewards program, um, it's one of the few in Australia actually that has direct pause integration. So if you hold your phone close to the terminal, it will already recognize your loyalty card, and um, then all you have to do is hit you know, pay to actually check out, and, but it's already stored your details. You don't have to do any other actions to get your card there. And you can also do that for redemption in some of them as well, can't you? So you could choose to use your points to pay as well. Is that right? Correct, yeah. Some of the programs here have that as well, that you can choose, say, in a, in a cinema to use your Qantas rewards points, um, either for the entire ticket or for part of it. So yeah, there's definitely redemption setups here as well. So just going on to then... What opportunities do you think they bring program managers? So, um, Phil, you know, you were in this with early doors. What do you think you as a program manager were looking, what problems were this solving for you? I think the key principle, Ian, is, I suppose, a customer-focused one where it's important for program managers to respect that uh, your, your loyalty program members uh, will be attracted to whatever technology, whatever devices, whatever software is out there that appeals to them. And I think when uh, Stokard started up in Australia, it was pretty clear that there were some Flybys members who thought this was pretty good. In fact, there were Australian households that thought it was pretty good. And I think you know, Australia is, is pretty typical of a lot of geographies where the average number of loyalty cards that uh, an Australian has is quite a few as a sample of one. I'm a member of many programs, some I'm not very active with. And you know, back in the days when they were all plastic, it was a matter of, is that card worthy of being in my purse or wallet? And was it significant or important enough, a card, that it would have that space? And wallets, I think, like Stow Card, assisted in that regard, um, in allowing you to you know, store a digital version and if I think about the way I use it, I, I, I use Stowcard for those cards that probably didn't warrant a place in my wallet. And now that the, the once in every now and then that I uh, need to use that card, I don't have to go hunting anywhere. I'm, I'm not caught in a situation, say in a retail situation where, oh, I didn't bring my blah card. And... Uh, it's there on Stowcard, so it's it's the convenience factor, uh, and it does have that element of uh, all cards in one spot. Yeah, I must admit that was a the client I'm working for. There's a client working for at the moment where that's the big attraction because if you're a big retailer like in the UK, Tesco or Sainsbury's, you can assume that people might want to or Shell, um, Pavel, you might assume that they would carry your card. But then if you're a secondary or even a tertiary retailer. You still have advantage of using people using a loyalty program, but for the long for the for the vast majority of customers, it's a push to hold, for you to expect them to hold your card. And if so I go back to if yeah, sorry, and if I go back to the early days of flybys, that was one of the absolute attractions of having a coalition program, that when there's 25 brands attached to your card and and retail names that everyone knows in Australia, then it wasn't a challenge. People would put the flybys card in their personal wallet. I think probably you know, in the last five to 10 years, I think we've all got much more used to, to storing those things digitally that, um, you know, that that's probably changed a bit. 
but you know we we know and we we ask our members about these things and we know that they like a choice of where they keep their card now in the case of the flybys app yes you can store your card there yes you can use it at point of sale from the flybys app and that's the same i think with a lot of the the major programs uh, which wasn't a feature that was there probably when when the likes of Stocard first emerged. And, and Pavel, when you were hearing Rad's description, were there things there that you thought, yeah, and there's things where you where you think, oh, not so sure about that. <laughs> uh, I think I think uh, uh, I would just kind of be follow on Phil uh, because I think Phil, you are spot on. Uh, the customers expect choice. And I think we, as a as a program managers, now with with wallets, being part of the portfolio, can offer that choice. There are customers who simply want to use the plastic card. There are customers who want to be who want to digitize. Right, customers who are okay uh, to access the card, perhaps with a limited functionality through through a wallet. Or and there are customers who want the, the full full-on experience using using an app right but, and, and they are different so so uh, that's why my wallets are important because they bring uh, an additional opportunity uh, to customers to engage with the scheme the way the way they uh, they want don't assume Ian we've got millions of customers uh, across many markets that are actually using Stockart uh and similar to what you mentioned in the beginning we never really had a any proper discussion uh with stockart as an example but there are customers who are okay with plastic and actually are not in a, in their mindset to actually even switch to plastic that's changing but wallets are uh starting starting to change the game and, and rad who do you who's your kind of key market who do you think you target this mostly at you know who are you who are you out there selling to at the moment we find from research, we've done quite a bit of research with Nielsen on this, that um, the key demographic we have using Stokart are um, the female household buyer. And typically they have young children. So that's kind of the, the core heartland of, of our um, app user here in Australia anyway. It differs slightly by market. Um, but ultimately anyone that uses multiple loyalty programs and that you know shops at different locations that has a need to digitize these cards, that's our, our target audience. So it's very broad. But I'd say that the heartland is really, um, yeah, mums with young children that are looking to shop for their families, um, looking, you know, where they're going to buy things that particular week. Um, it sounds and, sounds um, like my wife. That's a tough crowd. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And I'll tell you, we, we have, um, you know, a high MPS. People that use the app love it, and they most of our new users actually come through organic channels, which is fantastic. So people that you know we've solved a real problem for that think, oh, you know, I'd love to tell my friend about this or my child or my and it's often actually we found in in meetings um when we meet retailers they tell us that it's you know either a a grandfather or grandmother that recommended the app to them so also in the older demographic we have quite a lot of um very engaged users which is interesting yeah and i can see that because um it certainly solves a problem for me especially with the hotel cards the ones that i don't use very often it's particularly over lockdown where i've just I've got rid of my my travel wallet. I now have moved to Stokard because I don't, and I don't think I'll ever pull my travel wallet out again because it does solve a problem for me. Yeah, but you are, you are not a, you you are not a housewife, right? I'm not. Uh, I'm not and, as tough a crowd that's, though. That's either, right. Pal. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's where I would. That's that's 
and that's where I would actually that's where I would dis disagree with the with the with the target audience for a wallet. Right? It might be a target audience for Stockard, but for a wallet in general, uh, I see the biggest potential in the in the in the in the audience that's willing to innovate in uh, in, in millennials, and they are they simply don't want to have. Uh, uh, more cards in their wallet for one, and there's the sustainability aspect of this as well, right? Uh, reducing reducing the plastic. It's a small piece, but if you bundle all of those small pieces together, it's a it's a lot of plastic. So I think That's I think to point. me, yeah. uh, to me, the 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 targets for wallets in general are are millennials primarily, or those who are kind of a on the on the front of the uh, digitization. But what if if there if there are all the advantages of using wallets? Why hasn't it taken off? What are the big handbrakes on the industry that mean that this hasn't quite launched? Or I know Stokard have reached have reached a good mass, but you know there are there are others that have fallen by the wayside. Um, Rad, what's your view on those? I think you know building a wallet and putting it in market is one thing, but actually creating you know a reason for people to come back. To the wallet and use it regularly, I think is another thing. So, I think having customer engagement, you know, needs to be front and center when you develop any kind of wallet, and you know, making it a compelling reason for people to come back, I think, is a very difficult thing to do. You know, in our experience, we've worked with hundreds of retailers around the world. You know, a lot of the larger partners we work with, of course, have their own app and their own wallet, and and rightly so. Um, but what we've had as feedback is that it's often very difficult to get people to come back and, and use the app unless there's really a solid reason for for that. So I think it's it's a combination of engagement and a lack of understanding that some people have of what a wallet is and, and what it should do. So I think yeah, those are two of the barriers in my view. And and um, Phil, what would you say? Because you've yeah, I, th I think there's a natural want of ownership for a loyalty program operator. You know, I think a lot of loyalty program operators their their no nirvana is that you only ever use the assets that the program produces. Your only interaction with your loyalty program will be through your native app. You know, we know the our most engaged Flybys members, they're on the Flybys app every day. That's not all Flybys members, but you know, I think we're not unlike other programs in, hey, we want everyone to come to our app. So I think for some program operators, they would say, well, why, why do we need to talk to other wallets when we've got our own? Now, that probably goes against my opening comment around, you know, let the customer decide and uh, respect what uh, is attractive to the customer or most convenient to the customer. But I think, I, I think that's a thing that that, that exists that that uh, probably uh, gets in the way of some of those um, um, partnerships or discussions. And what do you think about the discussion about saying? Um... So I had a discussion with, a, with with someone I know who works in one of the big programs in the UK about this. And, and his their view was, you need to draw the line at how easy is easy. And in the past, loyalty programs have deliberately used plastic cards. You know, in the past, I mean, Phil, Pavel, we could have, you guys could have used, could have gone to a digital card years ago. But actually, it, it works as a nice filter to filter out the unengaged. The two things I was always taught in loyalty is discourage joiners who join everything and don't make it too easy because... It's because you're not have a natural filter, you know, the Tesco small hurdles piece. You know, Tesco's deliberately built with small hurdles 
so that they deliberately make it reasonably difficult. Because if you make it reasonably difficult or, or acceptably difficult, you constantly get away your low tail. So is there such a thing as being too easy or too many joiners? Does that make sense? I don't think there is, but that gets down to, uh, for a loyalty program operator, what are your costs of servicing that inactive person? So, so you, you take campaign management... If we detect a lot of signs that someone is not opening any flybys emails, we'll stop sending it to them. And, you know, by your own activity, we will forget about you. And in the case of our program, if you don't show your card for 12 months, we will actually close your membership and allow the right to be forgotten, which our competitors don't. And that's reflected in their so-called membership numbers where someone could have stopped using their loyalty card 10 years ago, but they'll still be part of the membership numbers that they use in public forums, which you can tell is probably <laughs> but, but a point of uh, contention for programs like Flybys. Go on, Ian, sorry. Would, would passive collection be okay? I mean, you know, so is any collection good? Or if it's very passive where someone's collecting and they might even not realise. So, for example, if you're using RFID on collection where people might not then even realise that they're actually collecting, is that is that a good thing? I mean, oh, I think I think in the case of RFID, yes, that that there I think there is an issue there. Yeah, but if you if you look at the wallet situation, and 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 that's not the same as the example that uh, Rad gave earlier, where it's integrated with the payment, but but where there's an affirmative action, whether it's digital or the plastic, to say I'm getting out my flybys card because I want to be rewarded, you know that's fine. I think. Where it's some somehow buried beneath layers, I think that's probably more of an issue both for the program um, and and possibly for the member in terms of data collection. I mean, Pavel, would you feel the same way about redemption? Say, what what would happen? What would happen if someone said, "Do you want to redeem your points for petrol?" But you were prompting that. How would you feel about that? Yeah, so I, th- I think it's similar, right? So that they uh, the moment that the the customer actively pulls out either the plastic card or the digital wallet when he's identifying himself herself, then that's an active engagement, right? So that that's kind of a uh, going over the hurdle and actually being and engaging with the brand, engaging with the scheme. And so I don't necessarily see the fact that somebody is collecting and maybe collecting even passively as a bad thing, because to, to your question, Ian, the, the things actually happen during redemption, right? That's that's when the benefit is collected by the customer, and that's where cost happens. So I think the redemption piece is, is critical. Uh, and at the redemption point, the customer needs to take an active role when and how and what to redeem for and what conditions to apply. I would agree with that as well. I think it's down to customer choice. So, you know, Phil and Pablo both said it. I think it needs to be down to the um, the customer deciding how and when they want to redeem. And what we found through throughout the data that we see in the app is that it actually improves the quality of data that retailers and programs collect by making it easy and quick for people to scan their card and decide to redeem. So that's often, you know, to get less engaged members more active. We found, um, a, you know, that wallets are a great tool to do that. Um, but also to engage with um, them on a, an offers level, so to actually send them uh, relevant marketing materials. And because you know we've got a view across the the landscape, so it's not just people shopping with one programs; people shopping across fifteen or twenty different programs. 
we've also have um, experience signing up new customers for loyalty programs. So I think making it quick and easy for people to sign up is another option that we offer uh, retailers that we work with. So it, there's an acquisition element there as well because, you know, we can see if someone's got a certain type of loyalty card and whether they use it actively or not. So for another operator of a different program, that would be a very interesting customer because we can already see that they're shopping with, say, one of their competitors or we see them in a location that's similar to, you know, the store that's acquiring those customers. So there's an interesting lookalike targeting capability there as well um, because we have a 360 view of the entire experience, not just in one closed-off environment, if that makes sense. I, I think it all makes perfect sense. I mean, the, the most listened to, one of the most listened to podcasts we've got is how to engage less engaged customers or less less frequent customers. And I think this is right up there. And it didn't feature on that, Rad, at all. But I really do think that for less engaged customers, it's a perfect solution for that. Yeah, I would step in uh, because I, I, I do believe that the acquisition uh, functionality of, of the wallets is significantly underestimated uh, tool and it has a it has a great potential right uh, Phil was talking a bit around the internal uh, internal obstacles right uh, because I, I've built an app I want I want everybody to use the app but customers actually do want to use a use used to have a want to have a different different approach and and that acquisition, potential i think is 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 huge uh and i think there's a huge opportunity to to capture that and so um rad can you just talk us through the commercials how do you how do wallets and not just yours but how do wallets generally make money is it is it a kind of we build it and they will come sort of strategy or is there a yeah that's a good question (laughs) yeah i think it it differs i think by um by type of wallet but you know in our case we're very much a uh, performance marketing channel so you know, we have a um, an agreement with certain retailers where they engage us to send messaging to their customers. So that's, um, I guess, a cost per click model that we operate, um, similar to how Google, you know, monetizes their platform. And then from an acquisition point of view, we have a, a very simple cost per acquisition that we charge for every new member that signs up. So it's, you know, I guess a cost per lead model or a cost per acquisition. But in this case, through the app, we can generate a barcode and give them a loyalty ID directly through the app. So it's done through an API. Um, and yeah, so it's either on a cost per click or a cost per acquisition. And then when you look at the payment side of things, it's a, a clip of, of that transaction coming through. So, you know, in Europe, we operate a, a payment wallet as well, where the customer can go into the store, scan the loyalty card, collect their points and actually pay at the terminal as well. So yeah, it's, it's the full end-to-end experience. So I guess it decides what you know. It depends what kind of wallet it is um, in terms of how the wallet monetizes. But we've, as a as a start, gone down the advertising route in terms of monetization. Uh, it sounds like you've gone down two routes: the advertising route, but also the utility route. As if you make it easy and make it convenient, then you expect the users to come. And and I expect yeah. yes, once the users come, you, you, the money will sort itself out. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, we've, I think we focus very much on the customer, making that experience as smooth as possible um, and, and helping people, you know, uh, increase the, um, the, I guess, the capability that they have to shop quickly and, and effectively. Cool. So, so where do we think we're going to be in five years' time? Pavel's put has a hand up. I actually think there are already players out there, technology solutions, that provide a full-on loyalty solution using wallets 
So you don't actually, as a brand, you don't need to build a new app. You don't need to build the loyalty solution. And you can just use the wallet to operate this. It provides a collection. So, so whether whatever currency points or stars or whatever you collection, uh, the, the, uh, the offer and rewards engine, the redemptions, the engagements, obviously the acquisition and the whole solution is out there. I think this, we will see this picking up much faster because it is it is making that customer experience super easy and super simple so, so you're basically talking about an, a, a coalition of, of separate programs on a single app no imagine a uh it's not it's not a solution for brands like shell but it's a it's a it's a nice and easy solution for some of the the smaller brands maybe a small chain of couple stores or maybe even an, a single store Right. So you you build a loyalty scheme based use using the wallet functionality only uh, without the hassle of having a, a complicated loyalty landscape. And I think we will see this picking up. And uh, and Phil, how, how about you? Yeah, uh, Pavel's comments. Very interesting. Yeah, I, I think they will probably be the domain of entities smaller than Shell or, or Flybys. I think the space that seems to be moving the quickest at the moment is around integration of uh, payment and loyalty. For how long that will continue, I don't know, but there seems to be certainly a degree of momentum uh, in that space at, at the moment than, you know, more than we've seen for quite a while. I mean, my, my kind of view from what you talked about here is I think there will still be loyalty apps out there. You know, the, the, the companies will still have them, but they might be for the, for the top 20%. Whereas for the longer tail, I see this as a huge opportunity for the less engaged customers to have cards and multiple wallets. But in order for the cust- in order for the loyalty schemes to fish in that pool to try to get them into their app, I think I think the two can coexist. I don't realize why. I don't understand why there's a why there may be t- tension there because I think they're two different tools. I mean, people build apps, but they don't expect all of their users to use them all of the time. And I think once you get rid of a plastic card, this has to fill the vacuum. Of course it does. So, sorry, about, and Rad, what, what's your view? I mean, are you going to see yourselves on the beach in Barbados in a few years, or is it? Or are you, um, are you in this for the long haul? <laughs> no, we're definitely in it for the long haul, although I, I, you know, I love a good beach as well. Um, <laughs> but I think at the end of the day, you know, what my, my two fellow panel members said, I, I concur with. I think um, looking at the future, the convergence of uh, payments and loyalty is definitely what's going to continue to happen. You see that with um, you know some of the acquisitions that have happened recently. That you look at Square and Afterpay. You know they're going very much into that domain as well together. You know uh, Klarna and and Stokart in this in this way. Um, Hero, which is a social commerce app, which has just been acquired by um, Klarna as well. So I think it's how do you build a a layer of experience on top of the core functionality that you offer. And, you know, provide that compelling reason for people to come back and continue using, you know, the services of the ecosystem that you built. Um, and I think another really interesting place to, to look at is, um, card linked offers and how they apply to loyalty. So, you know, in, in the customer focus, I think making it quick and easy for people to collect the rewards and linking it to the payment card that they already use. I think that there's a huge amount of opportunity there. Um, and we're seeing it now, you know, across this region, but also in, in Europe and in the US, where you have card linking programs that, you know, you link the card once, and then wherever you shop, if there's a, an affiliation, you automatically get rewarded and you don't have to look at it anymore. So it's 
I guess there's two sides of that. There's, you know, is the user as engaged with that scheme or, or with that program, or is it making it very, very easy for them to do it and collect yeah, that but, data? Um, yeah. But I'm with you on the, that, Rad. I think we need to have a, a proper discussion about, about, and I don't mean on a podcast. I, I, I think that the card linked offers model has to evolve. And I think you're right. I think it, it, it can evolve. It's all, all the, all the ingredients there are, are to have a successful loyalty mechanic. But at the moment, no one's quite cracked that. And I think you guys have a great opportunity of doing that. Yeah. And there's interesting companies. Um, I don't know if you, you know, uh, Pete Howroyd in the UK is working on a yeah. project called Swappy, yeah. which is quite interesting as well. So yeah, there's definitely the, the technology is there. It's about how do you get it to, 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 you know, the masses quickly and efficiently and make it a really good experience. And also marry the problem companies have with the problem customers have. And I think at the moment, it's either one way or the, the solutions are either one way or the other. They work for customers or they don't work for enterprises or they work for enterprises and don't work for customers. And I think there's, a, there's got to be a, a happy medium where it works for both. Yeah, great. Yeah. Well, um, on that note, I'd just like to thank our, our guests tonight. So thank you very much, Pavel Lois. Thanks, Pavel. Thank you very much. Good to have you on again. And thank you, Phil Hawkins. Thank you, Phil. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, all. And thank you, Rad van Vollenhoven. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, guys. Great to chat. Thanks. Thank you. And if you like the podcast, please like, share, or comment using the hashtag Lords Podcast. And thank you for listening, and uh, goodbye. <laughs>